0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also, be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: On today's episode, I'm recording on the tail end of my early season North Dakota hunt with Bill Thompson, owner of Spartan Forge, and Johnny Stewart. I've done this trip a few times in the past, though this year a number of guys from the Spartan Forge team all got together to share camp near some of Bill's old stomping grounds. We recap exactly what we've been keying in on in terms of sign while the primary food source is actively shifting day by day and how we've been adapting to pressure. Johnny goes over the moves he made while reading Sign to set up in an area where he got an opportunity at a Giant. Bill provides some historical detail and reference for how things have changed in this area since he had hunted it growing up. And we also dive into the mindset and how confidence in having a continuously positive outlook can feed off of one another and keep you in the game. I'll also briefly talk about the Spartan Forge app before we dive in Out here in early season, we haven't done much boots on the ground scouting in a lot of these areas outside of the season, so e-scouting is huge. I've set up my map to utilize the best of the three available imagery sources, public boundaries, private boundaries, and contour lines. From that, I'm able to drop pins on locations that seem promising, and then drive in and mark which crops are growing near some of those locations, In the ones that still seem promising and don't have much sign for other vehicle access or I don't see other guys going in or driving nearby. I can, of course, get out and speed scout, again, dropping pens for bur oaks that are dropping acorns, fresh deer droppings, or even freshly opened up scrapes. From the weather side of things, right on that same app, I'm able to look at the upcoming movement prediction, weather forecast and wind direction, which of course is vital for planning access and even predicting where a deer might bed in a particular pocket of cover. Use the code DIY for a discount on a Spartan Forage membership. This is your first time out here And it's also, from what I remember, really kind of a different in that you're more commonly hunting in, like, November, December. You're more mid-season, late-season guy. That's your specialty. So this is a little bit of a change for you, but it still seems like you're able to pretty easily read the sign and get on deer.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the biggest thing was seeing how green the woods were, the forest or whatever you want to call it, the timber. Um, I've seen this type of areas and other states similar to this but always in the winter when it was either snow on the ground or just you know no leaves at all so um it's actually like a jungle to me yeah out here in in it is summertime i guess still just getting into fall and um you don't have i don't know if me and you talked or bill was talking about um they don't really rub much on them oaks. Was that us talking about them? Yeah, we were talking about that because it's something that I've yeah, noticed. Yeah, me and you, yeah. And it seemed like just hardwoods in general.
1: I don't know if that's yeah, something right. that's state-to-state, but I seem like I always find rubs on more softer wood trees, especially like aspen groves around where I'm at. That seems to be you know, the most common type of tree that I'll find just general rubs on, it seems like.
2: Yeah. Or, so, or evergreens. Yeah, so that was a tough thing to not have the rubs there like the traditional rubs for from year to year, um, and scrapes aren't open yet. So it's a green jungle. Where, you know, where do you find the sign? What sign do you look for? So um, I just started looking for, like, deer shit, like fresh, um, and the acorns are starting to fall. And But I think when we got here last Monday, they were barely falling, so it was like, only a week now that they've been falling, so you're not even seeing sign in the, in there to go off of you just got to know that if there's acorns it's they're going to be in there but um so yeah that was it was really difficult um the beans were starting to turn yellow and, and I think they were starting to eat the acorns so they were into the timber um so it wasn't like you could just drive around and see deer like maybe End of July, August, right, and in, in, in see, okay, we got deer here. So, um, yeah, they've been staying in the timber. I think 48 corns coming out later, and the beans are drying up. They got some different type of different type of meal that they can go after. So, it was tougher than I expected. Um, and then, I feel like there's a lot of hunters out here. Yeah, a lot of. A lot of you brought yeah. a lot of your Minnesota friends out. <laughs> I see them everywhere, and uh, they're hard hunters, you know. But um i feel like after so many years the deer start associating with this time of year with hunting pressure so it's a year-to-year thing so they're going to in general not come out in the fields if they've been bumped or what have you in the past two year or two so they're just, they just associate that time of year with hunting season and uh, a predator to try to um be getting after them and so they adapt to that so there's a combination of things where i feel like they're not in the fields um they're not you know like yeah a, like a july august deal you know so um and and i did see some deer in the fields but it was
1: not many and and i remember even in past years going out with the thought of just like you know july august trying to drive around and trying to you know do that whole field glassing thing and just not really having a whole lot of success and i think in years prior the fall was a little bit. More ahead of schedule than it was this year, or maybe this year's behind schedule because a lot of times we'll come out here and the beans are already starting to be turning yellow and the acorns are already be hitting the ground. But it seemed like when we first showed up, it was like it just wasn't quite at that level yet. You still had most of the beans that were green, and at least some of the spots that I went and quick checked, there's like hardly any acorns on the ground. You can still see them up in the trees. Last year was a big acorn crop, this year's not nearly what last year was, but. I still wasn't seeing a lot of deer driving around, but some guys were. Um, and that first spot that I ended up sitting in, I ended up glassing right at last light in an alfalfa field. It seemed like alfalfa, for whatever reason, was better than beans, it was better than canola, it was better than anything else. But there's not that many of them around. I could probably count on one hand how many alfalfa fields I saw um, that you can you know basically drive by on the road. And that was the one field that I saw deer coming in during daylight that I could see from the roadway. And of course, made a play on that the next day, and you know saw a number of does, but not the bucks I had seen the day prior. But it seemed like every day, then every day, that more beans are turning yellow. Every day, more acorns start hitting the ground, and so really, that food source and that shift it seems like it's happening, you know, day by day. And I think the spot that you had found, if I remember right, it was like every day that you sat at that spot, it was like there's more and more deer sign.
2: Oh yeah, yep. They were like I said, they the acorns would start falling when me and Bill got here. I looked in his yard at his cabin and they were just starting to fall and he's like yeah they this is when they start falling and so you you just fast forward six seven days so when we got here there was no sign in the in the oaks but now you know now they're starting to pop up you know so it's not like you could just when you we were here last friday thursday not like you could just go checking oaks and see a lot of signs because they just started something falling you don't know you, but. uh where, where they're actually at because there are so many acorns you don't know where they're concentrated to you know right um,
1: unless you can find one of those isolated pockets which is not as common to find i don't know bill you you've grown up here does it seem like you can occasionally find areas out here where you just have an isolated little pocket i guess if you find a woodlot surrounded by ag but a lot of the stuff we even walked it's like there's oak trees everywhere you just got to find the little pocket of them that's starting to drop first
3: yeah, exactly. You gotta find them early, and that's kind of been my experience. Was um, the last I don't know ten or twelve years here that I've been hunting in this area is identifying. You know, I like it when the crop is sparse because that focuses the movement of the of the deer. I'm sorry if I came up here late and you guys already kind of spoke about that. I don't know, but no, yeah.
2: and and you're right. I know the one spot <laughs> I found that one
3: tree was like legit dropping, and
2: the deer all come to that tree.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so that does it's almost like baiting them in a way Yeah. <laughs> naturally because, you know, this time of year, if I can do it, I love finding those, you know, scrapes around those trees. It's going to be bucks, you know, nine times out of 10 um, or even yeah. 10 times out of 10. So, um, yeah, definitely that's something that I focus on. And when you can find, you know, I got really excited when you guys were talking about this area that you guys had scouted out where you had acorn trees dropping around good egg. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is like, that's the recipe for success this time of year is identifying those places. And like I said before, I really like it when it's, uh, when you are identifying those places and there is a sparse, um, crop, you know, like I think it was last year or two years ago, it was insane here. Like it was just, you had nothing but acorns. Maybe it was three years ago. I can't remember, but, uh, I saw no deer, a few does. That was it. Um, and I was not running Spartan Forge at the time. So it must have been four years ago. There was such an acorn crop up here. Like, the deer just didn't have to get up and move anywhere. Mm-hmm. There were far too many acorns. They were everywhere. They were not coming out into egg, even at night. It was impossible to find them. So, yeah, when you can identify those sparse food food sources and isolate for them, and especially when they bud up to good agricultural. I've always thought alfalfa was kind of, the uh, in this area at least, they really seem to like the alfalfa um, and some other, you know, some of the other things. You know, people go crazy for beans. I do see them in beans every once in a while, but it's not, to me, it doesn't get me excited to like acorns near an alfalfa or corn. Um, Canola is also very good up here, if you can get near that. Yeah, and once you told
2: me about the beans, I kind of saw, saw that too, you know, because I would come here and
3: <coughs> find them beans, but it wasn't the hot item ticket item. Although, uh, I mean, to be honest, um, that night that we had glass, it was like 14 bucks. They were in beans, weren't they? Yeah, I thought it was alfalfa, but it was beans. Yeah, I think it was beans. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of violated our own rule, but I mean, af- but also that was, you know, f- six days before the season opened. Um, Still like earlier And it, like and earlier they, it seemed the year. like they were just moving through there, too. It didn't, they weren't yeah, they weren't. It didn't
2: seem like they were feeding even. I don't no, know if they... Yeah. I don't know if they to another destination, because it was probably an hour before dark or 40 minutes. Dark, so
3: yep,
2: we just gotta keep don't stop, you know. It's all ground
3: keep... game this time of year, yeah. yeah. It's 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 moving around, you can't put cameras on lots of places that we're trying to hunt, um, and it's just hustling and bustling and, and getting after them and getting on them. And you know, I've only really, really been able to hunt seriously like t- t- three days here. Um, you know, one day I went up kind of absconded to Grand Forks, um. Because I was trying to get a, a buddy of mine on some deer, and uh, that turned out to be <coughs> kind of difficult up that down there. I'm not really used to hunting down. It's even flatter down there, and even more. It's just a different style of hunting in mm-hmm. my book. Um, you'll get a lot. There's a lot more grasslands and CRP and that type of stuff where it's almost like you're antelope hunting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas up here, we still have a fair amount of topo. And that drives movement. And, and I do believe that Garrett and I were on a big, pretty good-sized buck last night. Yeah. Um, had we just been able to get out of each other's way. <laughs> well,
1: I think also, and that that brings up a good point, too, is a lot of the stuff we're doing is just, you know, first time in. You know, most of the – like, I've been up here before. Obviously, Bill, you've been up here before. But a lot of the places I hunted on this trip I haven't scouted before or haven't hunted before. So you don't know what you don't know. You don't know if it's going to go from, like, a semi-open woodland environment. All of a sudden, it turns into just a thick, nasty mess, just a jungle, high stem count. And you can't even tell a lot of times from the aerials because the the tree canopy looks the same. Mm -hmm. But underneath, it's a totally different story, and it might be so thick that, you know, it's just a deer trail you can barely walk through. And that's what we ended up running into. And I think, in hindsight, setting up right on the edge of that thick because the buck probably wasn't bedded too far into that, you know, thicket. Um,
3: probably would have been the ideal move. Yeah, I think, I think again, like uh, I was talking earlier, when we were doing our podcast with Lee and the Seek 1 guys, you know, uh, Monday Monday morning quarterbacking is the easy thing to do. If I could Monday morning quarterback our hunt, I would have said we should just sit over this scrape. Mm-hmm. We had found a scrape early that had some rubs near it, <clears throat> and actually another scrape as we went up my thought was I was going to get into some acorns like I thought maybe we were on the edge and we get up to some acorns where there are more scrapes I've had some of my best early season success as I talked about before getting your concentrated acorns with scrapes around them um, especially fresh ones and the one last night we walked by it stunk like it had probably been work that morning oh wow um, and my thought was let's get up higher and try to find some we didn't know what was up there at the higher elevation right on the top and we wanted to get up there and um
1: and we'd assume that's where he would bed right. based on the wind direction based on what we know about hill country bedding Yep, it made sense that he would bed up high and that he was dropping down to hit that scrape on his route out down to, to get the to field. acorns and fields yeah yep.
3: and uh so we went up higher and uh it was pretty funny um We had this plan of, you know, basically one of us would catch him as he was coming down or if one of us bumped him the way that the land laid out, we would pump him into someone else or something like that. And, uh, you know, I started moving kind of, I suppose it was south from the scrape and you kind of went west. Yep. And uh, I immediately... I was with a camera guy and I immediately got into a bunch of thick, like that you couldn't even walk through. And there's just like one solitary, I think was an elk trail that the deer likely use. And as I tried heading through it, I was like, well, this is not going to be the spot. Like it's not going to happen here. So I turned around and came back, ran into Garrett. um, And probably you know, screwed up some of his sit. And then um, we made, we, we kind of quickly had an ad hoc plan. We did it again. And then we kind of got near that scrape, but we were above it because I was hoping that, you know, he'd just come near it and then work down towards it. So we we, we set up there, and uh, as soon as we got into the tree, as soon as we got set up, I heard, like, a branch twig crack, and he I was like, here he comes. you ready. So the, the camera guy was on his, uh was, like, checking his Snapchat or whatever. I was like, hey, let's go. It's time. And we looked down. And waiting and waiting i'm hearing slow steps you know sound like a deer sound like a deer and uh it was thick you know it was a good spot sure enough it was the diy sportsman <laughs> and uh he told he saw him first the camera guy saw him first i'm like are you sure it's garrett i'm like holding my bow like, are you sure it's him you're 100 percent sure it's him because you know to garrett's credit he moves slow and he moves like a deer and that's the right way to move in the woods mm-hmm. um because, to me, he sounded like a, a like a deer that was, you know, just casually making his way. And I was surprised that you, like,
1: I felt by that point in time I was exhausted because I had just gone up that hill, and it was thick the whole way, and I kept thinking, oh, this bench, maybe it'll open up. This bench, maybe it'll open up. I just kept going higher on those elk trails. and I got to the top, and I was like, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, uh, you know, we got humbled, but we were in the right spot. And uh, if I could do it over again, I think I'd have us both just sit around that scrape. One of us
1: So there's two scrapes
3: we could each sit one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and uh and I think yeah.
1: some of those deer are betted low too, in hindsight.
3: Very yep, very possibly they were to the north in that drainage, right? hmm Um but yeah, I mean it, it was still fun, you still learn. Um and we kinda talked about this last night and it's something I've been trying to do for the last year few years, which is just stay as positive as possible when you're yeah. doing this and take every you know, failure is a learning event. Mm-hmm. Um and take as much from it as you can, learning, you know. And and uh, this time of the year when you're finding scrapes, you probably should, you know, hunt near them. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, this time of year when you're finding scrapes, like there's no good reason not to, right? That's
1: yeah. that's how I had success my first year up here <laughs> was walking into a spot with a plan to get to a destination that I found on the map that looked good. And and route to that spot, we found a fresh grape like that. And decided to sit it and ended up having like, you know, five or six deer come in, including the one I shot. And so now that's one of those things that I key in on every year I come up here. Like that spot we found today, Johnny, that had that scrape in it. Yeah, that was a good spot. And the one that that Bill and I saw together. I mean, when I see that, that lets me know, okay, it's hot now. And sometimes I'll see scrapes, like I I went through and and spot checked a place when I first got here. And there were scrapes that looked like they were open up, but they looked like they hadn't been used in the last couple of days and it's like if you, you know, you see that moisture in it, and y- you can tell if it's been used, like, in the last 24 hours. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different thing. And then you got the droppings. Those droppings we saw, they still had flies on them. Yep, yep. And uh, it's a it different was all kind of fresh sign.
3: It was all there, though, you know. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty-twenty, as I keep saying. Um, I definitely won't make that mistake again. Well, I probably will. <laughs> I say I probably won't make that mistake again, but you can always t- talk yourself into a yeah. good mistake. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, Johnny, the spot that you were at yesterday in comparison to the spot that you were you know a couple of days prior and you were finding sign before but what did the sign look like that was different when you ended up getting your shot opportunity so
2: the original place i found was a piece of i don't know um it was only about 10 10 acres of oaks it was kind of isolated um there was um uh, willows around, grass, C R P what you would call it, and aspen kinda like um lowland type situation to hold deer. And in them oaks it was even the underbrush was really the understory was thick. Um but on the west end of it it was kind of a grassy as you get into the, like the willows and or, or out into the field um C R P and it was a grassy open area, and, and to me, that's where I figured a buck um, was going to feed, In that western portion, there was actually like a some saplings kind of leading to another um, area that I think um, would ta- contain deer, so yep. it was like a transition between the two, so I was like, this is awesome, and um, it was just a bunch of doe, but I sat it. I was like, there's going to be a buck coming through here. Um, left, a, I do, actually still got a camera there, but um, I think I, I hunted it friday night saturday morning saturday night and sunday morning and something like that uh and then uh no i don't think i hunted it friday it was saturday sunday monday but saw a lot of dough um and then the one morning the last morning i was parking and i looked to the west and there was a big deer um out in uh tree belt kind of i you know not much cover <laughs> around i don't know if he was going to come into my spot my piece of timber or what i hunted it um, that morning, and um, during the day, I got on Spartan Forge and just kept studying my maps. And Okay, if he didn't come into my timber, it looks like there was another patch of oaks to the north. And sure and behold, uh, I went to that patch of oaks on a south wind. I, I was on the north side of it and uh, went into the <coughs> oaks and initially seen scrape. And listening to what Garrett said. And big beds, it's kinda like a open piece of oaks. Maybe I think the guy had uh cows in there at one time. So it was like not much like understory. P- picturesque like pasture grassy, kinda underneath the yeah, oaks, yeah. Then, then um some aspens and um what are the you might know Garrett, the uh tree type shrub with berries on it. Red, Choke chairs. what are them? They're like bright red, Bill. Oh, like, bright red. There was like they were like yellow some of them, then they were turning red. Yeah, I've seen those too. I don't know. I don't know what. Like a little cluster, cluster maybe the size of your half the size of your fist.
3: Hmm, I'm not sure. What they were ones.
2: like six foot tall, kind of. The does were in there feeding on the leaves in in, in that. But um, anyways, I found a scrape in there and it was nice and open. And I'm like, if a buck has everything he needs. And he feels comfortable he don't need to be in that ten acres that I was in that's really thick, right you know he has his pick and like bill says uh the healthiest animal he he's he got his first pick of where he wants to be yeah. he don't want you know he don't need to be in that jungle, so I think he chose that spot and um it was open and he could navigate through there and get acorns and, and uh there was some of that stuff to feed on some browse and that but um yeah so i i said i'm hunting here tonight um this is where this there's you know this is where the buck is he's here and uh were there any tracks you saw that to kind of give it away or is it not really because it was just such a grassy like old pasture just kind of grass that was like laying laying over like yeah uh, down yeah blown over and just kind of laying down so but the scrape was there the big shit beds all through there. I, f- I could just picture him just like an acorn started falling. And I was just laying there eating acorns and beans right there to the north. I'm like, what, what more then there was like a, like a little pond within 300 yards, like a cattle pond. And I'm like, yeah, why would he go anywhere else? Like food cover
3: ladies. Yeah.
2: So I got up in a tree. It was like 6:30 by the time I got up in a tree and, uh, A doe come in, and she didn't like something at the base of my tree, so she went downwind of me twice and never smelled me. Uh, She was only 20 yards, 15 yards downwind. And then she moved on, but um, I think the buck was standing off to the side watching the whole scenario unfold. Uh, Because at one point I seen her look in his direction, and like when a deer sees another deer, you're like, you could really tell like their body actually like, uh so i think the buck was standing there the whole time and he ended up going further downwind i was just 10 yards from the scrape you know he went way further downwind um just because he's seen how that doe reacted to where the bottom of my tree was i mean she never snorted or anything but just something was off and so he went way downwind and i wasn't even he was damn near in a bean field i it was caught i was caught off guard and uh, there was some thick stuff at the edge, and and uh, I said, next time he, he was in, I couldn't see him. I said, when he steps out again, I'm shooting because uh, any further he's going to be dead downwind. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, he's going to blow or whatever. So he stepped out and looking toward the bean field. That was my downwind side. Like I never ranged nothing up up in that area. I was looking back in the oaks and east and west, and so he. Um, he stepped out, I grunted, and I'm, I would guess 30, and, uh, I'm thinking it was like 35, and I just shot under him, you know, it was just happened fast, and I was caught off guard, but, but he run toward me, he he run into the wind, and he run right under my tree, um, so I don't think I startled him too much, and he was a big deer, I'd say every bit of 150, inch 10, tall, yeah, yeah really nice buck, um, <laughs> so I got in there tonight, and, um, Set, had a little bit of a different setup with a north wind and um then it was weird it shifted to like dead zero wind and then around seven thirty, it started like going south huh uh weird. it was a weird and i we didn't see we saw two doe and you know i don't know if the wind shift kind of they might been bedded with a north wind and that shift might have messed, messed them up but um yeah, that, the scrape was the what I keyed in on because I heard what you said. And, yeah, I saw him right there at that scrape. You know, and if it wasn't for that doe, he probably would have walked on a trail by the scrape at like He got yards. nervous. He got nervous because... He went down, yeah, he went downwind. Yeah. And, uh. but yeah, besides that, if it wasn't for that doe and him going downwind to smell what she was smelling, he probably would have been at 10, 12 yards. Could've yeah. Definitely easy shot yeah but um
1: because that scrape was yeah i remember seeing the video that you took that scrape was like right in easy shooting
2: range oh yeah and there was two trails like so it wasn't meant to be i don't ever get i'm not a guy that talks about i don't you know can't ever cry over spilled milk yeah i just go go forward and learn from that and i know there's guys that just get so down i'm like well it's over and you can't think w- what I should have done because you didn't know, after the fact, you know. You just, it's done, which you know now, you didn't know then. So you made your decision, and you got to live with that. So. So yeah, but um, got a couple more days. Me and Bill's gonna stay and um, probably get into that spot again, and I might actually go back to that original ten-acre. Yeah, thing. now that you've
1: been off of it for a couple of days, and
2: yeah, I got a camera in there, and it was under the one oak. That, like Bill said, it's isolated. It, it was dropping, so I think I'm gonna go in tomorrow noon and check it. Maybe he, you know, uh, maybe it's that time of year, and he's it's another time to, for them to transition into. You know, they lose their velvet, testosterone's up, and um, maybe he'll be over there. I, I don't know. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, uh, and another thing, like like Bill said, it was just a new. Uh, it's all new like we're we're hunting in a new area you know what i mean yeah and, and, and i we don't know we don't got cameras and stuff to tell us exactly and we haven't been here for weeks studying the deer you know yeah and i have been here before but i've
1: still been hunting a lot of new stuff too because i mean even a lot of the stuff that i've had success in in the past with like the hunting pressures you know to the point where there are guys you know going in and speed's caught in those spots you can see the vehicles pulling in and out at those parking lots and and so one of the focuses I wanted to have on this trip was you know just keep increasing that library of information and try and check out new stuff and I mean I've, I've added at least two really good spots that I for sure will have in that library of, like I can go check that out any year it'd be quick in quick out I can see mm-hmm. if it's hot or not and it's the same quality of sign that would show up and there's no reason that it wouldn't show up in subsequent years if the, you know, the acorns are there and the right crops are in in rotation. Um, So that's, you know, I look at that as setting up for the long term. Yeah, definitely. Years and years of data, you know. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, one thing too about that spot that that you were sitting in and the spot that we scouted today compared especially to some of the other stuff that we had scouted in that same area, and it kind of parallels to – spot the bill and i had you know with a thick versus thin woods in the understory and uh you know a lot of these bucks are still in velvet by now i would say i don't know I, if i had to guess I'd say 75 percent or shed if it's not say more. 80 yeah <laughs> yeah um but at the beginning when we showed up it was maybe less than 50 percent yeah and so i know i've definitely heard that uh you know when they're still in velvet especially there's some sensitivity there they're not going to go through as thick as stuff. And certainly some of the stuff that we've walked through is thick enough that even if they're not in velvet, they're going to have a heck of time getting their rack through, but you still might walk through some of those areas and be walking on a deer trail that's narrow. You might find fresh droppings in there and you look at that stuff. And I think like, maybe there's just, you know, in this spot, you know, a number of does like where we started off scouting today and working that edge of that bean field and checking in on some of those trails and they'd be thick. But you still might see deer sign compared to that last spot we went into and we dropped down into it. And it was like, oh, like there's a, there's a perfect amount of understory here where Mm -hmm. they have secure travel, but not so thick a buck's not going to, you know, he's not going to have a really hard time getting through there.
2: Yeah. And that's a big thing for them is, uh, if they can find an area where they can, um, move freely and not duck and move and eat, because they are lazy, you know, and, uh. They're so fi- efficient, more or less, and um, they can find that ideal area where they, Bill said he got everything, food, water, cover, ladies, it's like, uh, and the cover is in the right position and the rest of the woods is open. He can navigate from, and you can get a shot at him, but he don't need to be in that jungle. Like, right. You know, he can he can live and survive efficiently with just the right amount of cover in the right areas and not be in that jungle that 10 acres of jungle all day yeah you know <clears throat> i feel like
3: they use that jungle as landmarks more than anything like they walk the edges of it like walk like we would use like uh you know the the courthouse downtown or a museum or something like you know that's that place and you know you, you can yeah. you get your bearing you know the the does might be inside of that stuff but i think you're exactly right And then the, the you know like
2: the landmark bill said it's like I got to the west side of it where it was grassy and open, like a little bit of a pasture-type situation I was in here tonight and yesterday, and I felt like this is Phil, like if there's a buck here, he's going to be at this end. He's not going to be in that. i mean, not saying he wouldn't. If pressure was high and he was worried or scared or whatever, he would be in there. but there's no reason um, for it, you know. Yeah, I will say this year,
3: too, <clears throat> like the biggest thing I noticed that was uh, a was stark contrast to years earlier with me was... I've seen more elk and elk sign than I've ever seen in my entire life in this area. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this much elk sign. That and makes I see it, it tough. I'm, and I'm seeing it everywhere. I think it does. I, I, I actually, <clears throat> I keep notes on my on my phone on things I want to research and read about and coexistence between you know two species like elk and whitetail that are competing for resources. You know, what does that do when an elk population blows up? They had a really w- rough winter here. <clears throat> this prior year, and um I've, i you know elk definitely can fare better in these temperatures than white tail can just because of the amount amount of fat that they have, and it seems to me that there are a lot more elk here than i 've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. and i don 't know if you guys well garrett I guess you're the only one who 's been here prior I, almost every place that I sat or looked or scouted had elk sign
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah um, they 're all over which was insane to me. It used to be like an elk was like, I remember being a kid in here in this exact area, and an elk was a rare thing. Everyone would be talking about it in town when there was an elk, like, oh, did you see this elk? And everyone would talk about it like it was a big deal, and now they're everywhere. So what did an
2: elk do in a winter? Do they just herd up more or less like the deer? That's so?
3: my understanding. Um, or, I mean, there's two major herds up here. Again, I could be wrong about this, but my last understanding of all of these things when I lived here a while a ways back was there you know basically two major herds in this area and and that they do get you know well, as it gets colder and worse in the area <clears throat> they will y- not yard up but i think they start spending more time you know closer together the deer here definitely yard up mm-hmm. um i'll I'll never forget when i was i don't know i was maybe f- 16 or 17 or something like that um i was driving up to where my mom lives lived um up near gardner north dakota And, um, I think I saw like 200 deer in a field, like one, like in one small field, (laughs) it was not large. Mm -hmm. I lost count counting them. And, uh, you know, you don't see that very often, but that definitely happens. I'm, I'm thinking that the elk do the same thing. But again, the biggest thing to me was just the amount of elk and elk scat everywhere. And, you know, the place that Garrett and I were at yesterday, I saw two large elk rubs, like, you know, seven feet high, um, it was insane. So I don't know if that's contributing to, you know, you know, I wouldn't say we've been unsuccessful because it's really difficult to get somewhere and four days later, you know, tag out Mm -hmm. in a place. Um, I wouldn't gauge it as in that being successful or not. I've marked place off the, off the maps. And I found a couple of places that I know I'm going to want to come back to and hit. So in that regard, it's successful for me. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the way I feel about it.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's definitely challenging because, I think with all that elk sign, sometimes it's hard to find. So if it's elk population is this high and a deer's you know, population is a lot lower, how are you going to see any um, deer sign when the elk trample? You can't see the tr- – you know what I mean? It's like, man, it's just overwhelming. It's like you might, see, you might see a lot of big elk tracks and then intermix. And it's like, oh, here's a doe track. Yeah.
1: And then it's like it's like one, you yeah. know.
2: Yep. yep. So that makes it tough just
3: seeing st- – finding sign here was really a and i don't know if you guys mentioned it or not but there's a lot of hunters here too Yeah. You know, which anyway. i mean i regard as a good thing yeah i don't i, mean I, don't, it, I don't i don't know uh, with it i don't everybody's
2: entitled to hunt and it's, really it's and it's not
1: it's not a lot relatively speaking compared to a state like you know michigan you know bow season or or even around some of the populated areas and more you know <laughs> typical midwestern states yeah that i've hunted um it's just I think it's really concentrated because it's one of those early seasons. So we saw the same thing in Nebraska last year. Um, I'd imagine Kentucky is probably similar. You know, it's like you only have so many velvet hunts and people are going to flock to those, you know, Mm -hmm. the closest one to them.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Garrett and I um, had kind of talked about this yesterday, but, you know, I want as many people up here as possible. Like, you know, the more money and – the more resources we can bring to this area the more hunters that are going to get hotels like we hotels renting cabins getting groceries getting gas yeah you're right keeps people employed and yeah. uh th- you know um it's a good thing if that means a couple of people lo- lose out to public land honey holes you know go find another one
2: that's it go find it yeah yeah
3: they're out there and you know and they're overlooked and out here it's uh it's The other thing, and Garrett and I were sort of talking about it tonight, and I've been thinking about it since we brought it up, but uh, there's places that are overlooked here where you don't see any hunters. And it's not apparent to me why. <laughs> like, a few of them really line up well and are kind of, from a cyber scouting perspective, are kind of what you're looking for. Some are too obvious. Too, yeah, and then I, maybe that's why. Like everybody's going there, I'm not yeah, even going to bother. Yeah, that that looks like a dream world. So you know, was, I'm not going to do that because you know everyone's going to be there. And then, you know, you, we observe or look, and we're looking for tracks, and we're looking for sign of people, and seeing if there's people going in there, and there's just no one in there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? This is not
2: what I'm used to seeing. Yeah, and that's what I like about scout in general, and being in these places with hunters and this and that. It's like, it's like a little jackpot. You know, it's like maybe a little bit of gambling, like you're gonna play that slot machine, eventually you're gonna hit oh, three bars, I got it. Yeah, I knew it was gonna happen. Yeah. You know what I Because mean? it is like maybe a guy been in this spot in this spot, uh, nothing here this and here, and then boom, jackpot. Yep. Yeah, and we talked a lot yesterday too about keeping the positive energy going.
1: And if you Absolutely. if you have if you're coming out here to say for like the first time or whatever and your first three hunt experiences you got guys walk in on you, or or you you know go to your first two spots and there's already vehicles there. I mean, that can be a little bit frustrating, but like you say, you just keep grinding at it and keep scouting throughout the day. And eventually you're going to hit it. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: it must be in the right place, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If there's people there hunting the place that I wanted to hunt, I'm, I'm think I must be thinking the right things or maybe not to, it's the, you know, but, uh, yeah, the positive frame, the positive dynamic to me is, uh, I think uh people get too frustrated too quick when they're not getting the results that they want. Yeah. When they're hunting and uh it's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to do here <laughs> in hunting, you know. Uh, I've got a son I'm trying to teach him patience and stuff like that and uh I you know myself I'm trying to learn it all the time too and I think the only to- only way to really be successful in the white tail woods is to have that kind of every time you walk into the woods is an opportunity and it's not you're not going to work and you should relish it yeah um and make the most of it and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people get in there or they see other people or they're not seeing the deer they want to see or whatever and then it's easy to just flip off and go online and look at your phone and you know you could be missing that deer that's over in the corner and who just you know appeared suddenly between two trees and you're off the clock because you're upset and I feel like that positive energy and that positive and I think that's one of the things that Johnny you do really well is <coughs> there's a saying in poker all you need is a chip chair and a prayer um which basically means you just need to be sitting at the table you just need to have some money to be in the game you just got to say a prayer and it can happen still like you can mm-hmm. still win and uh <coughs> that's one of the things I you know I try to feed off of you and other guys um and it's it's getting easier for me, especially as I get older, which is weird. Um, it's the same with you know hunting. It's like there, I'm in the trees, I'm not working. I've got a bow, yeah, and are a deer. That's it, yeah. And it can happen at any moment. And then older you get, to,
2: <laughs> as I was saying to someone, the less rut hunts and the less your season, it's your time is fading, and, and it's like I need to relish this, like you said. I'm not working. I'm in a tree. I don't care if I see, I miss a deer. I don't care. This is amazing. What else,
3: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. And I think that we we had mentioned it last night and we're kind of rehashing what we talked about last night, but I think it's worth talking about again, which is uh, that positivity is what's going to keep you, it kind of goes back to, um, I don't remember what the word is, but essentially it's like. If you have a if you have a method that you use hunting, say you're a big believer in like the red moon or whatever. <coughs> when that red moon's approaching, right, you're going to leave the areas alone that you've scouted in the off season. You're going to focus on waiting for that red moon or whatever the thing is that you're into, um, and you're going to go into the woods early because you don't want to waste the red moon. You're going to go in slowly. You're going to get up that tree slowly, you're going to put the phone away, you're going to sit because you don't want to waste that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably just need to make that <laughs> treat every day like it's the red moon or whatever it is that you believe gets deer moving, um, and you're in, in, in inherently you're going to see more deer, yeah. because you're paying attention because you're positive, and that creating that positive feedback loop I think helps people. and it's something that I try to do all the time, like remind myself like, hey, uh, six years ago you're deployed overseas. You know, eight years ago you were in Afghanistan during this rut. Um, yeah. It, you could be doing that again. Yeah. Stop stop throwing away the opportunity and cherish it because this is where you want to be. And this is what you're thinking about all year long whenever the season opens. Mm-hmm. You're waiting to be up in that tree. And it, a lot of times it's easy to just pick up the phone and distract yourself while you're waiting to hear Mr. Big um and I try less and less – I try more and more not to do those types of things and stay yeah. positive and stay interested and stay engaged while I'm up in the tree.
2: I think when I'm in a zone and I feel like I'm in the right spot and all that stuff comes together, like Bill was saying, <laughs> the being um, – you know, if you were into the red moon and, like, sneaking in everything, like, I feel like when I get in that zone, I don't – like, the whole time I'm looking. I don't even look at my phone. You know, I might check the time. Like, in that, in that one spot – um the other day he was in that 10 acre piece but um i was in a one end i feel like you know it's that time of year where there might be some buck shed and valve and a buck could come through at any time acorns are here and it's so, and just like the time flew i think i got in there at quarter to seven and i stayed till noon you know and it was like i could probably could have sat there all day you know what i mean but uh we had some things to do during the day but it was like th- that's that's when you get into that mode and you're optimistic because all these things are aligning that you believe in or whatever and you're doing everything right and it it gives you that positive feedback, you know, like this could happen at any time. So, yeah, you're uh, on the ball, you know, you're watching and the hours just click off, you know. so um, But sometimes you can get discouraged and be out of that. Um, I think lately what I've been doing is, you know, look at all the good Look at all the look at all the good things that put you in this spot. Maybe it's the acorns. Maybe uh, you know no one else is in here, and, and um, maybe you saw a buck here. Maybe there's a rub. Maybe there's a scrape. But look at all this, and um, let them good things outweigh the bad things, and and just keep. Because sometimes I think in the past I would see all these good things, and I get in a spot, you know. Because I, I think I'm go, 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 scout, scout, scout. All right, I got the spot. This is it. This is good. I'm going to get in there. And, you're, and, you know, you're still in, like, go mode, you know. And it's like you need to shift the gear and get in granny gear, slow down and stop. And it's not, um, you're not getting that um, instant gratification. Like, go, 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 scout, find a spot. I'm up. I killed a deer. It's like you got to shift, downshift, and get in a slow-mo and, and just sit there and wait it out. But if you, because I would. I think in a past, get to the point where it's like, how come I'm not seeing a deer? I got everything figured out. I know this deer. I know where he's at. How come he's not here? And it's like, then I start going the opposite direction and, like, you know, he ain't here. Maybe he moved in And then you get all these, you know, negative things popping in your head um, that could persuade you that way. Where, like, you know, the day or two ago, it was the best thing since sliced bread. But I've been sitting, you know, lately and just thinking about, um, what are the positive things that put me here and just keep rehashing them in your brain. So to make it re and make it out to be that positive thing all the time while well you're in a tree and it could happen anytime. And before, you know, it, time goes by and it happens. So. Yep. I couldn't agree
1: more. I think the, the positive thoughts and confidence kind of go hand in hand for sure one feeds the other and vice versa and i think we talked about too like even if you have those discouraging things that can happen you know you get walked in on twice let's say um it can get easy to to be discouraged with something like that happens but at the same time if you still have confidence in your own abilities maybe the spot you know is blown up but you're gonna go find another one you're confident you're gonna be able to put the pieces together again Like, you're not worried about those negative detractors anymore because, you know, it's just you're you're in control of what you can control, and you're just
2: going to keep working until you get it done. And then another thing I remember, I would tell myself, the longer I sit here and don't see a deer, brings me closer than a time when I'm going to see a deer, (laughs) which is right. That's pretty good. Right? (laughs) I like that. And I would keep telling myself that. I'm getting closer than a time when he gets here, so. Yeah, inevitably, it's got to happen.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I think the positive mindset is everything, especially um, in something as hard to do as hunting, and you know, as as pressured as it is around here. As many people are running around here, um, it's just remaining positive, and it's it's even for the you know, the best deer hunters in the world still need that you know, mental leg up to keep themselves engaged and keep themselves scouting and keep themselves from coming up with reasons why it's not going to work or mm-hmm. why this is dumb or why they should pack it in or go home or why they should be sitting on their phone when they're hunting or all of those things. And it's, you know, like I said before, it's something I really didn't start to, you know, understand or get or apply or see. And I, it really works in all aspects of life. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just work in deer hunting. Mm-hmm. It really works across purposes to help you in many other places too. It's just, it happens to be, um, and, and deer hunting, maybe because deer hunting's kind of got that instant feedback. Like you scout a spot, you choose a spot, you set the spot. Was I successful or not? <laughs> yeah. So it's easy to beat yourself up, but I think it's important to uh, focus on the positives, as you said, and why you're sitting in that tree. But then also, <clears throat> you know, when I've got friends helping me, like you guys or other people, um, coming up with war gaming ideas and plans and. Or people that have shown up to the deer camp and all of that stuff. It's like I also try to think about I need to respect their time and what they've put in to help me be successful or to share deer camp with me. And if I'm just going out to the tree to be lazy or to sit on my phone or to not be engaged or to be thinking about other things, um, I'm really not helping them out as well. Because they went out of their way to come out here and it's time for me to respect their – everybody has a sacrifice to come here and do this. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll have to drive from all over hell, you know, spend money on plane tickets and gas and scouting and their time that they could be using to do other things. And everyone chose to be here together. So I'm going to cherish that because I think it's, it doesn't happen often that you can get a great group of guys together and then have a fun week like we've had and do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got one of our guys killed, and I think uh, one or two of more of us are going to probably end up getting the job done by the end of the week. Yeah, I believe it. Yep, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. And for me, I'll be coming back because tonight's my last. Tonight was my last night sitting, but even this week, I found a couple spots that I think would be great for the rut that I didn't have on my you know list of spots coming into this trip. Tomorrow I'm gonna do some more scouting, and it's like anything; you can keep building that library of information over the long term, and eventually people will come and go. You know, pressure will cycle you're right but 10 years from now i might have 20 of those spots that are really good you know mm-hmm.
3: yep absolutely and and storing those things and remembering you know i used to write things down in a journal um my hunts and what i was doing and where i was going and um i was actually asking my stepfather. <clears throat> to take a look at around my stuff my mom used to keep to see if i have one of those old ones there because i want to see if i can explore some of those spots from about 10 years ago when i was writing everything down in a record book um because you forget about that stuff too mm-hmm. um yeah you do you think you don't but 10 years goes by years go by and it's like
2: where was it? when you know
3: well it where? happened to me last year in maryland i uh <clears throat> you know i started spartan forge a couple of years ago and I'm not trying to shamelessly name drop. It actually works for the story. I was do- doing digital scouting, and uh, I found a place that I thought looked really good. I was like, oh, I'm going to go sit this place in Maryland. So I go out there, and I'm scouting it. And I'm like, huh, like it's, this feels weird, like I've been here before or something. I wasn't quite sure but like oh, <laughs> This looks like a good setup, like blah, 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 blah. And uh, I'm, I put it all together, and I go out there. I like bow hunting. It's a weird thing of mine. I like to bow hunt the opener of the gun season in Maryland. There's like a couple of places that I know where all the deer get pushed to on this big tract of public land, Green Ridge State Forest. And uh, one of my favorite places to hunt in the world too. Well, I get to the spot and I'm like, huh, it kind of makes, I, I remember this, uh, do I remember this? I don't know. And I'm like, no, I don't because I don't, didn't have it marked down, blah, 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 Well, um, I got into the area and I was testing my application And then I had noticed in another application that I had, I had three pins dropped in that area. (laughs) And I was like, and I looked at the pins, and it was like 2015 or 2014 or something that I had been in there. And I was like, holy crap, I've totally gone full circle on this spot and found it digitally on the map again. And it's like, I'm 40 now. (laughs) It's official. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm 39, but I'll be 40 soon. And I feel every day of it because I'm officially re-hunting spots that I (laughs) thought I had been in in the past. That's uh, pretty funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think this, this week has been great. Great group of guys, and I always learn a lot. Be just being around, and it's, it's fun, too. And yeah, and
2: being around people that are on the same wavelength like we are, all are always scouting, learning new places on our our app, and, and thinking, even I see everybody, like, I know there's other guys I hunt with that are hard hunters, but they're not. you know, Psychos.
3: They're not psychos.
2: Yeah, they're not psych but like all all the time, like everybody here is like thinking about where to go, driving, whether you're putting on like Drew said, we say to put a thousand, eleven hundred miles on, you know, like you know, that's what he does. You know. Uh or whether you're sitting here at night in your bed studying your maps. Or you're you know, you're hiking all day. It's like we're all connected in that wavelength that we're just psycho you know what I mean? It's not like like there's not even a t. Is there a TV here? I don't even like no. Like no. it's like I, it's I like, don't think there is. We, Wait, but but it's like
3: there is a TV here.
2: Yeah, we didn't even notice that there's a TV in the a TV cabin. The TV hasn't
3: been on once because every time we've been here, it's dear, we've been it's, eating or looking at uh, our wraps. apps. Yeah, like, the three of us will be at a table, going around <laughs> looking, looking to play, at places, showing
2: each other. But it's like I've been in other camps where. <clears throat> They'll hunt the morning, evening, relax, watch TV, and it's like.
3: I- I've been in I'm, camps where guys want to go to the bar at night. Yeah. and are you I'm, out of your mind? <laughs> I'm like, it's
2: it's go. Like, I only have this amount of time. I'm getting up. I'm going out in the woods in the morning. Grab a snack. if I Or I won't even eat. And I'm going to go scout a place. I'm going to look at my map. I'm going to come back here at night. And, like, everybody else is doing the same thing. It's like. Everybody. Everybody here, you know. It's, it's great to be around people that are like-minded, like just psychos, I guess. Well, like you know?
3: Yeah, and you can feed off of it yeah and, exactly uh, you know i think it was was it was it bo or greg that introduced me to you i can't remember. i can't remember anymore mm-hmm. whoever it was i remember i was having a conversation with them about deer and <clears throat> i want to say it was like december or january or something like that and they're like oh man you got to meet my buddy johnny you know because i was trying to talk this person's i think it was bo I was talking his ear off about deer in Mm -hmm. in January, early February, or something like that. And I was talking about going and hunting late season in Maryland. Yeah. And Bo was like, geez, Bill, (laughs) like a five-hour conversation about deer on February 3rd. Yeah. He got me and my buddy Johnny. Yeah. So Johnny and I get on the phone together. And I think the first time we talked, it was like five hours. Yeah. You were on the way to the Shawnee or something. Yeah. And we're talking about deer for five hours on the phone.
2: Yeah.
3: Our first conversation... Um, never knew each other, just instantly pick up the phone, start talking deer. And it's like, I, there are very few people that I could do that with, but Mm -hmm. I think all of them were in this deer camp. Yeah. And the only other people that I could do it with Steve Shirk is one of those guys. Mm -hmm. He and I will have, well, we're like old best friends. Like we won't talk for three months and then we'll talk for 10 hours continuously about deer. Mm -hmm. Then we'll do that again. Or Drew and Lee constantly I, I can talk deer with them all the time, Garrett talk mm-hmm. deer well, I can talk deer and other things with garrett you know uh electronics or uh you know programmatics or development all types of things but um uh but deer as well everybody in this camp is just obsessed you know with deer and it's mm-hmm. fun and it's you know <clears throat> you have a bad night, somebody helps you out, they give you ideas you help each other think about things you wouldn't normally think about everyone's idea everyone's um, oriented towards the same goal um and everyone in this deer camp and i i and I really think like everyone that's kind of like in the um founding i call it like what you know the founding fathers or the 300 group of um of uh Spartan Forge are all oriented towards being great hunters but also helping each other out and being good exa- people yeah, exa- being better people yeah,
2: you're exactly right and that's a big thing that i see what you got going on it's like nobody's like like he- noses up in the air toward anybody it's it's no no when when you get that way uh, like i said ignorance is all-knowing you know yeah nobody here thinks they know it all
3: yeah we're always asking each other questions you know yeah um uh i was watching it you know lee was asking you questions about what you thought about a certain spot and then he'd come and ask garrett Mm -hmm. the same thing and exchanging information back and forth and uh and and just humbling yourself and not acting like you know all of the answers and uh, <coughs> and um, seeking knowledge, really, and just realizing that you're, you know.
2: Yeah, and then one person sees it this way, but I want to go see what Bill says. Yeah. I want to see what and it's, he lived here. You're up here. Well, I want to see what Garrett says. I value his opinion and, you know, who else? And it's like, okay, you know, and then you learn. <laughs>
1: yeah, or like when we went scouting a dance, it's like, well, I'm just, just going to film Johnny. Yeah. Listen, listen to what he says and see what he picks up. Maybe he'll pick up on stuff that's different than I do. Maybe I'll learn something that I can apply next time I'm in the woods by myself. Mhm.
3: Yeah, I think the best thing that you can do with deer hunting is remember your failures. It's one of the best things you can do is <laughs> like remember the failures and let them educate your decisions in the future. And yeah, and I say exper-
2: experiences that I've done it wrong enough that I know how to do it right now.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I love this crew. I love this group of people. I mean, it's truly a, I think, uh, outside of the military, I've never been part of it. Something like this, and it makes me happy, and, you know, everyone is (coughs) truly concerned with making sure everybody else does better. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is, like, a a great thing, and I I encourage people to find that in their own groups, especially among men, you know. It's kind of like (coughs) the country's kind of gotten away from, um, there used to be men's groups, you know, like the Elks Mm -hmm. or basins or whatever like where guys would get together and do stuff or you know yeah drink beer and pound their chests and stuff and <coughs> i'd never been really been part of a deer camp but you know i talked to guys who used to be part of deer camps and they're all kind of like convinced deer camps are kind of dwindling i think it would be great to really bring that culture back mm-hmm. and and see more of that type of thing because um, it's truly fun
1: That'll do it for this week's episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Empire on Instagram and Facebook, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and if you're looking for additional content from myself, subscribe to DIY Sportsman on YouTube and hit the bell icon to be notified of new videos. You can also follow DIY Sportsman on Instagram. And with that, thanks for listening.